welcome to the Master Slave Lifestyle Podcast. Here we'll interview real people living the real Master Slave lifestyle, all consensual and all in different ways. And in this episode, listen inside of yourself. Are you playing a role at the moment? Are you playing a game? And for whom do you play this game? So there, there's not one role of being the perfect master. It's just like you make yourself the master you want to be. So there's so many options and you really just have to listen to yourself. Like what part of the game do you really enjoy? This is masterslavelifestyle.com. Hello everyone. In this episode, I'm talking to Dan, a dominant of his own household and the founder of the Gay BDSM Club, someone who has created some of the best BDSM nights in Berlin as far as I am concerned. Um, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me here. So would you like to give a quick introduction about yourself? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> well, you already said I'm Dan. I'm, we met when I was doing one of my events. And I'm a king coach, I'm a bondage trainer and a fetish artist. And yes, I do fetish events and BDSM events in Berlin. With the whole concept, I started like two or three years ago. Um, but in the fetish world, or even with bondage classes and the king shows, I'm doing this for around 17 years now. I'm also in a relation um, with my former slave and husband. And we are together now for 13 years. And yeah, I think that's basically like a little bit of my background. I'm 37 years old, living in Berlin now. And yeah, so I think that's kind of who I am at the moment. Thank you. And just before I hit the record button, you, we were talking about what title to um, give you. <laughs> and you were kind of saying that you didn't really want to be referred to as a master. So could you tell me a bit more about that and what um, your thinking was? Yes, um, I think we go also deeper in the background because in the past I was called myself a master and I was really happy with that. But um, over the years of development, I think that master is not the fitting expression anymore. It has a lot of prejudices and it brings up a lot of expectations on the other side. Um, like there's a strict protocol, you have to t say sir all the time and everything. And To be honest, most of my own protocols, I'm even forgetting over the time. So to be honest, I'm not that type of a master. I'm a dom, I'm a sadist, I'm a ricker. I have an idea what I want and I kind of get what I want. And I'm also a master in, uh, in regard to my husband sometimes. But um, if I would call myself a master or if I would introduce myself as a master, I think this would be a completely wrong impression what the other person would have of me. So although you don't like the title master, you are the person in charge. Yes. So I was just thinking about some of our dinners. Uh, <laughs> it's always been very clear to me that that, that you are the um, dominant. So, so although you don't have the title master, you are the normally the person in charge in a, in a situation. Correct. But I'm also happy to decide that the other can be in charge. So it's not that I have to be in charge all the time. And for example, a total power rela uh, exchange relationship, um, which was like a really crazy idea I loved in the beginning. In real, it's just not me. I like to take responsibility. I also like to be in charge of the things. But I also like to to let decisions go. Like I'm not really caring about what you're wearing, but if you're wearing the wrong stuff, I tell you. So just make it right. 
Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so, so you said that um, total power exchange isn't really your thing, and you found that that it didn't really work. Um, would you like to speak a bit more about that? Yes, sure. We can let's say call it maybe a light power exchange, or like a, um, like the people describe me all the time as a natural dom. So I never played a role. I was never using strict protocols or artificial things to put myself in a higher position. But just when I speak with the people, they know that I have a, an idea what I do, that I want this, and that they just have to follow these rules. So this is kind of um, yeah, what I understand as a natural dom or maybe natural master. I don't know how you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I, I see something, I have the feeling it should go in that direction. And then I say, oh, maybe make it this way. And if I don't have any idea about it, then I just let the situation go. And if it goes in the wrong direction for me, I tell, or I can change it. Um, or I can also say, now I have a clue how I want it and let's do it that way. So it's I let the things flow a little and then I give like the direction I want. And then in the end, it's um, maybe it's not as I planned in the beginning, but maybe because maybe I didn't even have a plan in the beginning. But in the end, it turns out that it makes me happy. It sounds like a very organic process that you you want it to develop in its own way without forcing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know this is sometimes very difficult for people, um, especially if they expect that, oh, yes, now I'm coming. Like in the beginning, I was doing these typical sessions like, okay, you get in, you knee down, uh, I come from behind, I uh, blindfold you or I tie your hands to the back, then you kiss my feet or my boots, and then you do this and that. And we had this clear protocol of structures and still sometimes with my husband's, there are some protocols. Um, if I'm asked them or if I ask him to do them, he's doing them. And that's always what I want to point out, that he's still my slave and we are still in this kind of clear relationship. But it's not like all the time when we are starting something, he has to lick my boots or similar. So he also don't have to call me sir all the time. But for example, sometimes I want to show off, like if we are with some, some people together and I have the feeling that my husband is a little bit too pushy and too much partying or something. Then it's like, okay, knee down here. And this is like, no, why should I? Is it because I say so? And then he's kneeing down. Thank you for sharing that. So you, you mentioned protocols a few times. So is there anything about protocols you like? Mm, I like protocols in the way as they are giving you an easy access. Like when you're um, unsecure by yourself, especially as a dom, if I'm playing with a new person or something, um, a protocol can give me a really, really good structure um, also as the dom to exactly know what to what to say, what to ask for. Um, I can make a clear structure planning before. And if I'm not yet in the mood, probably during the protocol, I get into the mood. Um, so that's a really, really strength of protocols and also some other stuff, um, <clears throat> like for example, when you're, um, let's say when you're w walking on the street and your sub has to walk half a meter behind you. Um, this is for example, something I really like to do with people who are, where I'm not yet, um, really emotionally secure that they're really my subs. Then I ask these protocols just to let them show that they are my subs. So this shall keep them in the mindset. This shall express that I'm the dom, that they have to follow my rules. Um, but if I'm really sure that we are in this clear power hierarchy, um, then I don't need the protocols anymore. 
what is the thing that happens which makes you realize that you don't need them? It's if I have an inner, uh, if, if the other person has an inner expression, like any doing, saying, um, if I feel that there's a high respect, that this person is looking up to me and respecting myself, actually, we can be on an eye on eye level, but I want to feel in what he is saying that he is really putting his identity behind his wishes. Like what I want is first and then his idea. So if somebody, for example, if, if, a, if a sub comes to me and um, makes like a pushy button or something, um, I think this can be sometimes very sexy, but I don't want it if I don't know that this is just to please me. Sometimes I have the feeling that the subs are really like, uh, oh, now I want to get fucked. And then he's like trying to expose his ass to me. And I feel like, okay, then I definitely don't want to fuck you. Um but if it's like an offer and if I'm like kind of, okay, I'm, I want to get teased by you, then it's correct. And I want to have the feeling that this is really because he thinks that I like it and not because he wants it. And if I have this feeling, then I'm really happy. And then it's like, no, I can change the whole story by snap and everything is in another direction. And that's really the point where I want. And then I let the whole situation go. And then it can be whatever puppy play, um, bitch and daddy or whatever. This can be really fun. And um, I sometimes just let my subs play with each other. That's really easy and really cool then. Um, so, yeah, if I got to this point, it's enough for me. It's really interesting. It, it kind of triggered a, a thought from another conversation I had with someone else, which was at one point they were having issues with their slave. And what they found out was the slave was trying to turn the master on in how the slave wanted it, rather than doing it as the master would like. Yes. Is that something you can relate to? Yeah, that's something I actually don't like. Mm, it's okay to a certain extent, because I say, okay, the wishes of my slave, they are also, or can become my wishes as well. So I'm really happy if the slave tells me about his wishes and tries to turn me on or something but if he thinks that i'm so dumb that he can really trigger me into whatever fucking him or something then he's completely wrong so yeah. it's really um if i if i'm kind of already turned on and already in the mood it's working fantastically then we are like on a really good flow but if i'm not in the mood yet then he can do whatever he wants and it's just like the result that he might end up in the cage <laughs> that isn't the first time i've heard that happen <laughs> Um, I'd like to move on to a, a couple of terms that you made just in case people who are listening aren't familiar with them. So you mentioned um, rigor. Yeah. Could you um, tell people what that means for you? So rigor is just the expression of the bondage dom, especially the rope bondage dom. So the person who's using the ropes on the sub. Um, but rigor is not necessarily a dominant person or a sadistical person. Um, a rigor can be like a completely switch. So even a sub can be a rigor. Um, but it, it expresses that you have fun playing with ropes, that you have fun to tying somebody, that you have fun to um, bring the other person in maybe comfortable, maybe uncomfortable position. But you do it with ropes and you're kind of the person who's in charge and in control over this other person. So in this case, in my regard, rigor means having control, uh, working with a body. I love bondage because I love to work with a body to create something. It's For me, it's kind of like dancing, like we do something with, with a partner. 
and um, well, in bondage, it's like you you have like a more like a leading partner, also with dancing similar, and you have like the the structure, the sculpture you are kind of shaping. Especially if it comes to art, then this is like really what I'm looking for. Um, I wouldn't call myself, for example, the rigger, even though I am technically. If I'm getting into a session, then it's more like a functional tying. Then I'm more like okay, I want to have your legs spread and the one leg should be up and you should be in an uncomfortable position and your hand should be out of the way so that I can torture your balls, for example. Then this is like a very functional bondage. And in this context, well, I'm still technically a rigger, but I wouldn't call myself a rigger. As a rigger refers, in my opinion, to a more um, sensual, more creative, more um, intimate uh, concept than just a sexual one. That's really interesting. So you can actually split it into you might be doing something very functional or you might be doing this more sensual arty kind of approach instead yes and the arty kind of approach can be also very intimate very sensual so there are a lot of other emotions you can carry next to art but i love to do art so um i sometimes see myself as an artist i love aesthetics so um, but yeah, it can be also just like a very sensual bondage session you were doing with your sub. It's not necessary that you have to make art in the end. And what does sensual mean for you? For example, I'm generally not getting hard when I'm cuddling with somebody. So cuddling or um, yeah, having these kind of things um, is for me a more sensual thing. It's intimacy. I was never like a big cuddler when I was a child. So I really had to learn that cuddle is something intimate, or for me, it is something uh, intimate, which I'm just doing with some people I really enjoy. And also there are different types of cuddling. Like uh, I can cuddle on an eye on eye level, or I can cuddle with my subs, just cuddling my legs or with my subs, just laying on my chest. So, um, this is, very intimate for me and this is something yeah kind of intimacy and um yeah the other concept then would be for me like the sadistic dom top and there i'm like kind of also getting hard and having the more sexual aspects so intimacy is really the emotional connection and also the aftercare the, the stuff before but it's not really the let's say sexual intimacy that's for me more like a yeah you can call it sexual intimacy or kink or fetish. So that's something more based on sexuality. Thank you. Um, when I listen to you saying that, I kind of think that you sort of talk about that they have different energies, that there's a connection with both of yes. them, but the energy is very different. Yes, exactly. Connection, but even if you look at sex, I think in very intimate situation which which is especially humiliating which is something i don't do with people i'm on a very intimate level on other levels um can be intimate for the sub and very humiliating because of this but for me it can be like not very intimate because i'm not giving a lot of myself in this uh, situation so if i think about intimacy it's about giving yourself into the situation and not only your dick in the situation thank you that's 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 fascinating um, I'd like to come to your relationship. Um, you mentioned that um, you, you started off as like master-slave and now you're your husband. Would you be able to give a little bit of a, a journey of that relationship and what it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we started, we started with a Skype uh, online session, which was like, uh, okay, they, we still have the first Skype chats with us. So um, that's always, uh, once a year, we always pick them up and say, oh, look at our first Skype chat. Mm, yeah. <laughs> 
then the first words we were exchanging, like knee down and lick my feet. These were the first words I was telling to him when we met each other. And then we had like a few nights where we had some nice and great um, sessions uh, on a master-slave basis. It developed also that there were like kind of intimacy over the sexual part around. Um, and so, yeah, there was something developing and building up. But I would say maybe half a year, um, yeah, maybe a little bit longer even, there was not really any contact on a, um, let's say, um, eye-on-eye basis or on a, on a clear relationship basis. This just came like when we had the first holidays together. And then there was this sudden, and then it was like, okay, um, there's also something more around than just being master-slave. So then I would say the relationship got into another level. And out of this then came like, uh, oh, yeah, then there came a bad time where I had to go um, to Shanghai because of an internship. And then we had like half a year of a break, kind of. We were still a couple, but... Well, from a one-side open relationship, we had to change it into a two-side open relationship, which was like very hard for me. It was the first time that my that my partner were allowed to, yeah, to fuck outside of the relationship. And um, yeah, then when I came back, we we kind of had some time to get uh, back to our normal level again, and then we really built up this uh, boyfriend relationship and master-slave relationship at the same time, and this then lead for five, six, seven years, um, eight years, 10 years. And it became slowly, I mean, we were in a long distance relationship, so we didn't see each other all the time. But then it sometimes happened, or it kind of switched slightly from we are only master-slaved and a little bit of boyfriend to we are really boyfriend and have master-slave kink as well. And then there came the time when we first lived together for a while. And in this time, really, the, the boyfriend and the relationship part became a major focus. And um, my husband had a lot of stress at work and some problems. And the topic shifted from sexual topics to um, more also, how can I support you in your business? Um, do I have to care for you? These, let's say, typical uh, relationship problems any vanilla couple has. And... Um, in this time, also, the kinky side, because of his problems based on work, became like really kind of very small. And um, after the problem, after this period changed, it came up again. So um, it then grew again. It became a bigger part again. And so it was always going the one side or the other side a little bit more or less. And if I now look back uh, to the last two years, especially from my side, uh, it became a long, lower part again as I was starting doing these events. And with the events, there was a lot of work. And when I'm working, I'm not really free in mind to play my intimate kinky game. So then I'm just more in my, okay, I'm kind of coordinating these events. I want to make sure that everybody's happy, that everybody feels safe and welcome. And yeah, out of this also, I didn't have so much time for my, let's say, personal kinky side um also now with corona this made like a big problem in my head so the last two years it lowered really my my kinky side and this now just changed probably during the last three or four months again when i kind of found a new way with the whole corona situation 
I had to skip my whole business case from physical events, from these people meeting each other, um, to doing online classes. And then I established these online classes. Like I started directly when we had the first lockdown, but just to feel, okay, now I'm feeling good with these events. And now I have a new perspective, a new future. This took really, let's say maybe half a year. So after this new development, I'm now feeling, okay, I found my new place in this whole strange world we are living at the moment. And, um, yeah, so now slowly comes also the kinky side again. And also our kinky family grew a little. We have new members now in our kinky family. And this also stimulated a little bit back the whole kinky side. But still, for me, I have to say at the moment, I still have a lot of thoughts which are going much over um, only having the sexual fun with my husband. There's a lot of issues with the work and the corona situation, everything. Also, my husband had to change then the job. So at the moment, it's more on the, uh, let's say, relationship side again than on the kinky side. But we try to keep the kinky side uh, more alive at the moment. So, well, thank you so much for giving that history. I mean, it's really interesting seeing how it's evolved and changed over time. At the start of this conversation, you were talking about your identity and how you didn't like, and you've you've ended up not liking the title master. So, has part of this journey with the relationship also changed the way that you identify and label yourself? Yes, absolutely. Like the beginning, I was never having, um, or well, I was still having the idea of having a great uh, TPE or at least a clear master slave relationship. Um, but after a while, then also with the, let's say the, the relationship part and everything, I just realized that having this uh, total power exchange or the clear master slave part is, it means a lot of work for the master. You have to think a lot for your sub, for your slave. Um, you have to take care, which is like, I think always an important part, but you also have to care about things you generally sh don't have to take care. Like, okay, I give you this task. I want to tease you with this and that and that and this was kind of building up for me a high pressure like okay i should do this for him i should do that for him and in the end i was feeling like oh i'm giving him now tasks not because i want him to do this because he expected i give him these tasks and this was the point where i realized no this this typical master role is not for me and so yeah this was the point when when i decided no maybe master is also the wrong expression Still in a session or if we are like playing with others or something, we can still make a fantastic uh, role play in that direction. But privately and also with my close play, uh, playmates, I don't call myself master anymore at all. And, and let's say with the journey of the relationship, were there any points when, when you struggled to make that change and wanting to change the title or was it just very clear to you? That, 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 okay, I'm going to change this? Um, I think it was, like when we started, I was still very young. And as I never had such a relationship, I could never really make uh, say for sure that this is exactly what I was looking for. I had some, well, let's call them DS relationships. Yes, absolutely. This was all fine and fun. But like having my partner all the time stuck in the cage and uh, always following these protocols or something. We were talking about this. We were, we were trying this a few times, 
But I then realized that actually it's much nicer to to have him cuddle and then afterwards uh, let him lick my feet and then uh, go together shopping, um, like on kind of an eye-on-eye relationship. And this, I think it was like maybe coming after these first six months, like when our relationship switched a little bit, like this first switch from having only DS relationship or master-slave relationship to also having a boyfriend relationship. Um, I wasn't clear about that at this point that I don't see myself as this typical master anymore or like I should change uh, how I call myself. It was more like, oh, it feels much better like this. And out of this, I mean, then starts a lot of chatting with other people and the people come, oh, you're a master. And it's like, yes, uh, shall I call you sir if you want to? Oh, but the other master said I have to call him sir all the time and I have to knee when we are chatting. It's like, if you feel comfortable kneeing. So I was thinking like, okay, that's a little bit of another concept, what the people are expecting. I knew these concepts before and I was really turned on by these concepts before. But when you know how this is in real, like in real life with your husband, with a person you really enjoy, um, then you think like, okay, this is kind of an, um, yeah, of a, of, a, of a play, which I majorly do for the slave. So I tell the slave what to do because he gets then more into a specific headspace what he needs because he's not a slave by nature. He's just like wanna be pushed in this situation. And I don't feel that this was like really me as a natural dom. I just know that I'm the dom and the slave has to know that he's the, the slave and the sub. And if I'm asked him to knee down, then he has to knee down. But why should I ask him to please him uh, to knee down? So yeah, I, it took some time to understand this very clear. Um, I can't say that there was a specific point when, when this was, but it really came over the time and it took some time to understand that being a dom, being a master, not necessarily means you have to follow protocols, you have to follow stereotypes. There are so many options of being a dom or a master or um, a rigger or a sadist or a daddy or whatever. So you can really call yourself. Um, you can all, you can call me boss if that's the game, or I was called big brother or, oh brother, um, can you please whatever. And so there are so many options to play this game and it's not really limited to, to this two classical roles we all know. And just understanding that I can really play with any roles and, or I can even say no name at all. I can still, or I still am the Dom and the people understand that I'm still the Dom and if I say, hey, come on, do whatever you want, I'm still the Dom. So this was really a process which took time. But I can't say there was a clear point when it made uh, this change. If there was someone listening to this episode, and let's say it's in a similar position to where you were when you were just starting out, what would you advise them to do? I would ask um, them just to listen inside of yourself are you playing a role at the moment are you playing a game and for whom do you play this game do you really play the game for yourself like you need this uh, like there's the subspace then there's also a dom space do you need this game these protocols to get into your dom space to really enjoy this then you're a session master then you're not a natural master then you're a session master which is completely cool and okay you can be like a very let's say um eye-on-eye person in normal life and then you get into a role you maybe wear your fetish or something then you're a session master which is completely cool you can be just a dominant person in lifetime and in the 
in the game. So you you cannot change yourself. You can just keep yourself who you are and you don't have to change at all. Or you can say, okay, in the game, for, for example, I sometimes like to switch. If that's what you'd like, it's also completely okay. So there, there's not one role of being the perfect master. It's just like you make yourself the master you want to be. And there's, uh, there's one very interesting person called uh, Marjorie René from Hamburg. Um, was a master, became a mistress, now became a master again. So he or she changed his gender, her gender, uh, a few times, which is like something, wow, okay, you just have to think about this, that you're just changing the gender from a male to a female and then backwards. I was like really impressed. This was like one of these persons where I felt like, okay, you don't have to fit into any stereotype. And he or she was always the master, which is like really, really an impressive um, development he made so that was really really cool and then i have other persons like uh, they're i call them caring master in german it's called kümmerer which means like just caring person um and they are just taking the part of the caring master and are not really taking the part of the sadist master for example or the the clear order master or similar so these are persons who just like to take care about others but in a dominant way which is also great um so there are so many options and you really just have to listen to yourself. Like what part of the game do you really enjoy? For whom are you doing this? Are you doing this for your slave? Are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing this because you have an idea of how this should be and you're just following this idea? Then you don't have to follow any ideals. It's not a, you don't have to play a role like uh, for your boss in the company. It's like you do this for yourself. And if you don't enjoy this for yourself, then you're maybe doing something wrong. And you can do mistakes. That's completely okay. Also, a master can do a lot of mistakes in life. You just have to find uh, that you're doing them and then change it in the way which makes you feel much better. That's amazing to hear. Thank you. You're listening to MasterSlaveLifestyle.com. The websites and podcasts are devoted to the master slave lifestyle and those that want to live it full time. Do check the website out if you want to find out more information. There's also a Patreon membership where you can support the website and this podcast and receive benefits such as early access to the next episode, plus free workshops and more. Check out the show notes for more information. In this episode, you're listening to a dominant called Dan who has his own household. And back to the episode. You've kind of mentioned a bit about some of the challenges you had with your relationship, but are there any other challenges that you would like to mention to the people listening? I think one of the challenges we had in the relationship, um, especially in our way, is, and which can happen in a lot of DS or master-slave relationships, uh, I call it relationship trap. Um, in the beginning, as I said, I was maybe a lot of playing parts. I was doing a lot of parts for uh, for my sub, um, or because I thought it was the correct way to do it. Um, for example, humiliation. And I'm not a person who like to humiliate. Like, if the other, I have respect in front uh, from the other person. I don't like to humiliate this person. Um, but I was thinking like, oh yes, you always have to call them names, or you have to make them stupid tasks, or something. And I felt like, okay, now he's doing it. And, well, this was a good point. He was doing it majorly because I was asking it, and I was asking it because expecting that he asked me to do this. So this, in the end, lead that my husband, because he wanted to do what I enjoyed, um, didn't like to do these tasks. And 
I didn't want to, want to do this task. That's why he didn't like to, uh, doing the tasks for me. Um, so this was like one of the relationship traps part. The other one was, I'm a sadist. He's not a masochist. So he would take the pain because I enjoy uh, seeing him sever. But as I know that he doesn't enjoy the pain, I don't enjoy giving it to him anymore because he's my boyfriend as well. So in the relationship, it's like you don't make your partner do the things he doesn't like or similar because you, t oh, at least for me, I was caring too much about him um, that he felt really happy. I only want the best for my husband. So um, I don't want him to take pain for me because um, I want to see him sever, which doesn't makes me happy if I know that he doesn't enjoy the pain and he is not happy because he knows that I don't enjoy him suffering because I know that he doesn't enjoy the pain. It's a very com complex situation. <laughs> I mean, how have you dealt with that in the relationship? Um, it's, for example, in the beginning, I was completely not into puppy play. And that's something we now developed for, our, uh, for the two of us very strongly. And that's like a new thing we were finding for ourselves. I still torture him sometimes a little. I still humiliate him sometimes a little. Um, I hope that he knows that in this situation I do it for myself and not for him. But um, this is like really just becoming a much smaller part than, for example, bondage. Bondage is something we both really enjoy and where we both have a lot of fun. Um, also, sometimes a little bit the bitchy and daddy relationship is it's like became a little bit stronger, the puppy and handler relationship. So the parts where we are more on, yeah, on the same interest became stronger and the parts which we don't get from each other very well or where we don't have the right feeling if we get it from the other one, we are kind of getting from outside of our relationship. I see. So, so you found things that you both like doing with each other, but for some of the other needs, you then... Go, um, you then use someone outside of your relationship. Exactly, yes. So um, moving on to um, a completely different question now. So uh, is there anything you'd like to see in the master-slave community or the BDSM community in general? Uh, yeah, there are definitely some things. Um, it's always a little bit the question about uh, how to see them. One of the major things I see is that these a lot of prejudices and cliches are there. And that's something as I, I was struggling with in the beginning, um, which maybe also keeps other people from finding the right place easily. It's good to have some role models, but it's bad if they're all stereotyped and everybody is expecting kind of the same so I think more respect from another idea, another concept is so so important and needs to be seen more. So having not only a master-slave relationship, but a rigger-sub, a handler-puppy, um, a daddy-little, whatever. There's so many options to have relationships. And then also like how you make the relationships work can be so unique for, for any relation, which you can't sh show or express. Um, but keeping this more in mind that a relationship and especially a master-slave relationship can be as unique as you as a person can be. And I think this is really 
lost a little bit in the whole scene. Also, the scenes, for example, the puppy community is kind of big and the leather community is kind of big. And, well, then there's a master-slave community, which is not yet really strongly seen or existing, but I know some people. And it's like they're not always really exchanging their events or meeting together or something. This is like really, really rare, the situation. Um, I was doing some events where I tried to bring these different crowds together. And if they come together, they can learn so much from, from the other orientation. But it's just not a standard. It's just something really unique that I can bring these people together and that they learn from other communities and situations. And I hope that all the people coming or that more people will come together and learn from other ideas. And then the communities themselves become a little bit more open-minded. Could you give an example of something you've seen when you've had some of these different groups come together and what they've suddenly found that they've gained from it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one very nice example is um, FTM person, like female to male transformed uh, person. Um, really, really insecure coming from a queer, oh my God, yes, we are talking all the time about our gender identity and these kind of things. Um but actually, this person just want to have fun like any other gay guy. So the person joined one of my events. And at the event, there were like the straight, gay, queer people. It was the Kinky in Wonderland party. And so this person, he met like another guy, another gay guy. And this other gay guy never had contact with the FTM person. And they met and they kind of had like, I think, two or three hookups afterwards. Unfortunately, they are not in the same living in the same city, but I think they are still in a good contact with each other and both learned from each other. And before then, the one was really insecure about the gay world. Can I get there? And actually, he's like looking like a really, really hot leather guy. Um, and yeah, an FTM leather guy is like something. Wow. Now he's really into the leather scene and really deep there. Um, the other guy never expected like a ftm person or trans person was really of interest for him and yeah so he also learned something i think this is something which was really really amazing i can bring examples like this a few of them so um there's so much uh importance that the whole communities are open for the others that they change uh, exchange with each other so they exchange their ideas and that they get together and everybody can only benefit from this as, as you're talking about that example um, I had this feeling that I can imagine a lot of people could be quite scared, um, you know, um, that they don't know how to interact or what to say. And I'm, I'm not talking about um, fe female to, to male only, but just with lots of different things that it might just be that they don't want to have that conversation with someone else because they're frightened about hurting the other person's feelings. Yes. I don't know how to navigate it. Is there any recommendation you would give to people that are in that situation? Mm, I also have like in, in, let's say, our very close kinky family, some people who are in, in a similar situation, like one is a little. So doing the age play and uh, the other is um, more in a SM context. So in the sadomasochistic area, um, they both are in common that they are both puppies. So if you look at those two, they hated each other when they were just talking in online chats. 
because they were just talking about kind of the differences between, oh, yes, I'm a little, and then the little was sending all the baby pictures, like little cutie uh, puppies or something in diapers. And the other guy, he was just thinking, I don't have any connections to this. So the point is, you should never bring your uniqueness to the other, like, hey, I'm this, and now you have to like me because I'm this. Um, the point is, you have to kind of hold back your uniqueness till to a certain amount. So don't kind of invade the others with your um, special fetish or idea. It's more that you should tell them, so don't hide it, because otherwise it might have bad results in the end or a bad surprise, um, but don't overdo it. So stay open if they are asking for more information. Oh, how is this going? Uh, what are you doing? Are you happy with this? How did you came up with this? Answer the questions. Answer them honestly. Um, yes, it can be really annoying if you have to answer these questions the hundredth time. But come on, this person is interested in you and your fetish. So why don't you answer it? If you don't want to answer them, say, sorry, um, I don't feel like that's a good match. Um, ask somebody else to answer these questions. Um, so if you feel like that's that's more for you, then it's also fine. Um, but don't do too much in the one or the other direction. Be open, be kind, uh, respect if somebody says, I, I'm really not into uh, whatever FTM, little play, puppy play, whatever. It's also cool. But if they're asking, stay kind, remain, remain kind. Um, if you don't want to talk about it, say, uh, yeah, thanks. But uh, I, I go further or maybe make some nice excuses so that they don't feel bad. If you want to talk about it, do it in a nice way. And uh, that's the best you can do. I mean, to summarize that, it sounds like have honesty, have curiosity, have kindness and check in with each other. Yeah, and especially a lot of respect from the other person. Because if this other person is talking with you about this openly and you end for something, oh, but then you are like, uh, whatever, just a little crying ba dumb baby. Um, nope, that's not kind. Yeah. And if someone gets, let's say, a no or I don't want to talk about it, it's not a failure either. It's just the other person being honest. Exactly. So you have to, uh, you should always be aware of the fact that the other person can say, sorry, I don't want to talk about this, which is completely cool. You don't want to talk about being uh, whatever, a master slave uh, either all the time. But if you feel like talking about it, it's cool. If you feel like, no, I just want to go for a quick sex, then uh, well, say, okay, well, I'm looking for something else at the moment. Um, I come back to you maybe later. Um, you mentioned um, when we originally started this question about the community, about stereotypes. Um, could you tell me what you mean by stereotype? Mm, by stereotype, I majorly see um, expectations of people who are kind of fitted together. Like the stereotype master is, for example, a person who is often seen in kind of leather or fetish gear in a dark dungeon, giving you strict protocols and rules being like kind of semi-unpolite um, or like, let's say, forceful in, in the speech and what they are doing, um, being kind of uh, dominating you through the whole thing. And this is kind of a typical stereotype of a master. But a master, in my opinion, um, can be also, I call them, for example, lazy doms. So they can be very chilled and say like, okay, I let my bitch do, um, dance for me now, do this or that. This can be also a master. It can be in a very light and bright room. It can be 
very friendly. He can be very polite, but very precise what he wants. Um, so these are cliches or, or stereotypes which you find very often. And it's kind of covered in a lot of areas um, that you, when you're, for example, talking with, uh, with the bondage community, um, then they have stereotypes in their head about the rubber community or the leather community or similar. And these stereotypes, I think they stop you from being open to the other communities. It's really strange that you brought up this kind of subject. One of the more common emails I can get through the Master Slave Lifestyle blog is actually people worried that they don't fit into a stereotype, you know, that they're not the sort of master that they see or the sort of slave that they see. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything you would say to those people who kind of are, are worried or, or think that they have the wrong expectations? Um, they are then completely right. That's the only thing I can say to this. Being a master is an artificial concept we developed somewhere in the past. It might come from lords in a castle. Um, it might come from some other stereotypes you had in the past, but this is like a concept, like kind of a marketing concept, like a brand, where uh, which was kind of built up in the gay community um, there's a completely other concept, for example, in the straight community. And this concept is just like a good branding in your head. So these expectations were created by someone, someone, but this concept was taken by many other people and said, oh yeah, that's a cool concept. Um, everybody should be like this. So they integrated this into their stories, their kinky stories, their fantasies. But this concept was just like one of many options. There was never like a um, strict or like, like a serious reason why the concept is like this. There's a reason why a master, for example, can ask for protocols. As we just talked about, a protocol can have, uh, help you to get into the right subspace or uh, DOM space. That's completely okay. But you can also say the protocol is that you, um, for example, if you're a trans master, you can be called lady or mistress or whatever. Or you can um, ask your slave just to... Uh, speak in baby language, for example. So then you're like, a, you want to be a more daddy and you can integrate the little concept, for example, in it. Maybe your slave, a slave hates this because it's not fitting into the concept. So you have to see what the slaves like, what the master likes, and then what concepts are fitting into your way of playing. Um, so yeah, don't, don't just follow the concept you got from someone else, make your own concept, which is really you and your partner. And you can change the concept anytime. You can say, okay, now we want to uh, play whatever uh, handler and puppy, um, or we can play like I have a, a dog who can speak with me, or I can play um, dog and cat, whatever. It's really up to you. Um, so don't use the stereotypes to identify or to define yourself just use elements out of them and then you can say okay i pick a little bit of this i take a little bit of that and then you in the end you can say whatever you are uh, a puppy drag uh, mistress and uh, you want to have a little uh, bread which is kind of dominating you in the end why not so follow what it is you want Exactly. But you really have to think about it. You can experimentate with it. You can do 
um, a lot of discussions can help, but sometimes they are just wrong. Primal play is also a fantastic way, so you don't talk about anything. You just do. You have everything have to be consensual, but you just do whatever you want, and you can be still dominant in a way without even talking. So we're coming on to the final few questions. Um, normally ask what makes a good master, but in your case, what do you think makes a good dominant? A good dominant should always respect the freedom of the sub and the ideas and figures of the sub. But the good dominant also should use them in his or her own way. So take the idea, take the concept of the sub. Um, if you say, no, this part of the concept I don't like at all, you can skip them, you can respect them, you can use them. But um, it's like you have kind of, I see it always, you have like kind of an, an element there you have like uh, if, if you're playing with um uh, i don't know the english word bauklötze like where you or like lego something similar so uh, so, so like putting lego together yeah, like putting lego together but you have like this element of bricket in front of you and this lego uh, bricket and it's just this you can't change this bricket. Uh, lego bricks yeah. i think you mean so, yeah. And then take this Lego brick and uh, put it in your play. And this Lego brick is the slave. And the slave maybe has five bricks or maybe 20 bricks. And if you only feel like uh, 10 of them are fitting into your game, that's cool. Maybe you say, okay, two or three more can be on top, but they're, well, they're, they're not really me. I do it as a favor for the sub can be okay that's really kind of you and the rest you don't like you have to tell him that you don't like them and that you cannot follow these rules or these ideas are they important for you if your sub says yes well then maybe you're the wrong dom if the sub says no that's also cool if the sub says i don't care you're the master even better um in the end probably the sub doesn't have a lot of fun but that's his or her decision um so it's really important that the master play with what he get that he accept and respect what he has there and uh, yeah then play with it in his own creative way i think that's very important i also think that let the situation flow a little is is very cool so if you set a lot of protocols you often limitate your game to these protocols but if you um, take some protocols and then maybe um, you just let, for example, the sub some freedom in what he want to do next. Um, and if the sub can play this in a very well way, he can inspire you to maybe do something you never did before. So if you stay open for this flow in this situation, it can be really cool to you and can give you a lot of more pleasure with being a master or a dom than if you just uh, go through your, um, let's say, process you already did like 20 times before. Thank you. And then final question, what makes a good slave? Um, yes, a good slave, I think he should really know what he wants. And for me, it's like I have two ideal slaves for me. The one is the one I'm kind of, he's not a slave at all. I make him my slave. I tease him. I bring him to submit to me. So maybe he's even a dom or another master or whatever, um, or just a person who's very unexperienced. So I try to trigger, uh, to find out what his trigger are, and then I play with them. And yeah, I let him in the end uh, back to become my slave, which is like the one part, which is very fun. Um, the other part is like a good slave who knows what he wants, who can offer something I really want, so he don't care what he wants. He offers me what I want, 
and kind of integrate his own concepts in this game. So it's um, how to say it the best way. He tells me I like the, 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 um, but he knows that I like this. So he starts with to do what I want and I can give him what he wants if I want to give him what he wants. And this is like a very, very tricky part. So if the slave can make me kind of give him what he likes, that's a really, really good choice. And these people, they are generally natural sub, uh, submissive. So they start just by pleasing me and they give me whatever I like. Um, they kind of got a good feeling with me, a good vibe. And then in the end, I may maybe give them what they want. But it's not like this is the expectations in the end. But I have to know exactly what I can do to them so that they are happy. And that's a really, really good way. Um, one thing which goes over both topics, like what's a good master and what's a good slave, is that you really know from each other uh, what you like, that you have a good flow, that you have a good vibe, that you can speak about things openly, that you don't have to hide something. Um, but yeah, having this relation, this flow with each other um, is so much more important than many other things. Um, yeah, so I think this is really probably the core part, that you have this good trigger, this good vibe with each other, and then you can just do whatever you want in the end. And I think that's so much more important than um, any precise thing, which is only in the master or only in the slave. So if you have like, a, let's say, uh, a master who just loves to do his own set and you have a slave who expects exactly this, those two are on a perfect match. That's not me, but for them, it's probably the best. Cool. Well, Dan, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been extraordinary talking to you about this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. I hope that the people got my point, how I see the whole thing, and I hope that the people are getting something out of this. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing I want to say. A big kiss to my husband and my kinky family and friends. Thank you. If you'd like to be interviewed by me or know someone who would, you can get in touch at the email contact at masterslavelifestyle.com. You can now support the podcast, website and Master Slave community through Patreon membership and receive benefits such as early access to the podcast, exclusive video workshops and more, along with my thanks for supporting this initiative. Check out the show notes for more information. If you're interested in finding out more on the 24-7 TPE lifestyle, you can go to the website for more information. That's at masterslavelifestyle.com or check out the show notes. Thank you.